We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Thursday. Well, it's a once a week, so it's the Thursday podcast, fantasy baseball podcast. I am not James Anderson. Once again, filling in for uh, James, who is uh, away uh, doing some very, very cool things. Uh, Maybe you saw on Twitter. Congratulations to James. What those cool things are, Daddy James. So good for him. Um, I am Todd Zola, and I am joined by Eric Halterman and, as you just heard, a familiar voice, Jeff Erickson. Clay Clay Link was going to join us for a roundtable, a little bit under the weather. Uh, Clay, get better, man. We need we need you for the long haul. Uh, we we'll we'll, uh, we'll figure out your rankings at some other point. We'll have you. We'll talk about him. But man, at this time of year, we need you for the long haul. So I just realized as I'm looking at you guys that uh, I'm usually the the goofy sidekick. You guys are doing my bidding today. That's right. I, I'm worried wow. about what that means, but I guess well, we'll find well, out. Yeah. I don't have any grapes to be fed, so I guess we don't have to worry about that. But no, this is kind of fun. So we, we thought we'd do is get together and talk a little bit about the updated roundtable that was just posted. Uh, Jeff and I had the easy part, just kind of throwing our rankings in and Clay and uh, Eric tag team getting it posted and the, the write-ups and all that kind of stuff. So thanks to you guys for getting that up there. Um, for those that aren't aware, uh, we started a little early this year because drafting started a little early this year. And we put out our top 300 cumulative rankings. The four of us put our rankings out. And by the magic of whatever is priming uh, code in Google Sheet, it does the averages and it posts it for us. And it gives them a little bit of a nice co-reference to an ADP to kind of get a feel for where the market may may land. And we had our first set out early November and we just posted an update. Yeah, kind of good timing, right? Right in the middle of the winter meetings, guys. We uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, the way, it's the way it goes. There isn't, there isn't a, at this time of year, there isn't a right time, is there? We're slaves to the calendar, Todd. <laughs> it's always about the you know, first week of the of the month now. Um, yeah, it's but you know what? It gives us something to react to. Like, how much yeah, does yeah. does Soto change? How much does Michael King change? How much does Erod change? Uh, how much does yeah. Mark Mathias signing with the Reds change? No, just kidding. Uh, well, Eduardo Rodriguez, you know, when, now I, in, a, in about three weeks, half of fantasy baseball is going to go, I didn't know he signed. Because, like, when it, it happened amidst, amidst the whole Soto thing, it's like, I didn't know Erod signed. But uh, but he did with uh, with Arizona. So, I mean, we'll talk a little bit. We'll talk a little about the news, but we, we'll mostly talk about our rankings. It's the once a week, so we, we will hit on the news. So, we, we alluded to the Soto trade. We will talk about how we're going to change if we will 
change where Juan Soto lands, but um, we may not get to the pitching as much. And so let, let's talk about what, what San Diego picked up more, you know, in a newsy sort of way. Uh, Michael King, uh, Thorpe, right? And Vasquez. Wow, they got a lot of uh, lot of arms. Anything that we should be concerned about for this year? Well, I love Michael King in San Diego. Uh, love it. I I wasn't as high on the curve of Michael King as Eric was in our roundtable ranks. Right? Yeah, Eric was visionary here. He knew he was going <laughs> to land somewhere else, uh, and already had Michael King. I think what did he have him at at one seventeen? I was second at one eighty three. Uh, yeah, I I did buy him in XFL. Uh, it was I don't know if I, and I bought him for ten. It was in the end game. There was two pitchers I added, uh, one former Padre and now one current Padre. I added King for 10 and Seth Lugo for nine. I uh, like both those guys. And it was just a case of I had money and I like those players. So let's go. Yeah, I, I was quite high on King before this trade. So I don't know if that means I am obligated to move him up even more because, hey, his park just got a lot better or if he's already in a pretty good place. But He's exactly the kind of pitcher I fall for with excellent ratios and questionable workload. Uh, that That is exactly my type. Um, but I just think with the way that baseball works these days, you have to accept questionable workload from nearly all of your starters. I was looking at, uh, do you know how many starters were qualified starters last year? Just 44. And so that means if you're in a 15-team league, you're going to have three of them. And if you look at the back 10 to 15 of those qualified starters – you know, Dane Dunning, Taiwan Walker types. So you're going to get mm-hmm. two qualified starters you really like and another that you're fine with on the average team. So I really think that even though I'm not expecting Michael King to go much above, you know, 130, 140, I think he finished in the 105-ish range in innings last year. What By the time you're drafting your fourth starter, you're probably not getting a qualified starter anyway. And yes, you're giving yourself even less of a chance at one with King, But if you're in that mindset of, you know, nobody I'm drafting here is probably going to reach 160 innings, let alone 200, like we used to expect from a good number of our starters, then, man, his per-inning stats start looking very impressive. Can you repeat them? I I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that he's going to repeat them. We see whatever it was, eight years of meh, and we see nine just ridiculously good starts. I know that I need to loosen up a little bit, and like you said, it accepts some of these, you're, or you're just never going to get an upside guy if you don't take a chance. I suppose if that's where you're going to throw your dart, that's fine. But where he is going, even you know, even if you're 117 is a bit aggressive, I don't know. There's just some arms I like there, even with the innings restraint, that I like a little bit more. And San Diego doesn't change to that much because, to be honest, Yankee Stadium is not the worst place to pitch. If everybody thinks it is. But if you keep the ball in the yard, it's not the worst place to pitch. No, I, that's fair, but Petco is still better. It is. It is. It <laughs> you, is. Know, uh, I, you know, I, I, I like that the velocity picked up in the last couple of years. Uh, it, and it, he, it stayed high, even though he started adding more innings per outing too, right? That's, yes, 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 exactly. Um, it wasn't just like, because, oh, he's a reliever now. He can, he can do that there. Uh, he, gets, he generates a lot of spin. I like that too. Michael King does. Uh, so that, those are two points in King's favor. Uh, he'll get less run support probably, although let's face it, the Yankees weren't good at that last year. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know. I I'm, I mean, you, you go to his savant page and it's, it's a sea of red. The only thing that, uh, I, I, you know, that was not really that good was like his extension, his breaking run value. Um, but like, 
fastball run value, his off-speed run value, it's like all of, over like in the like 85th percentile or higher. Um, his ex- expected ERA was in the 79th percentile. You know, there, there's not really too many things that are, are, are negative worrisome indicators except can he give you the innings? You know, 104 innings last year. Hey, no playoff run last year. Didn't add those extra innings that other pitchers did. So you got that going for you too. Right. I think it's just like Eric saying, it's a matter of choosing your poison. And if you, if you, if you, I mean, there's a lot to choose from here. I just, I don't know. History says don't trust nine starts when you've got so many years of, of math, but the, the thing you pointed out, the, and I think I think I actually profiled him for the site and did talk about the velocity went up, which yep. is odd. Usually you lose velocity when you, uh, you know, come out of the bullpen. So that is something, if you're looking for a positive, I, excellent, I think that is something to, to hang one's flag on uh, in, in a big way. And maybe, maybe I'll be moving Michael King up for more than just the San Diego purposes. I think you guys have maybe opened my eyes a little bit into, you know, where you got to throw your darts. Yeah. Uh, well, hey, people helping people. That's what we're all about here. Yeah. People. Yeah. I almost started singing. I, I started singing on the Rob DiPietro's uh, podcast last night. I have to remember why. It's a song I need Dave Potts to write because uh, it was on some nursery rhyme or whatever. But anyway, we don't need to talk about me singing. The uh, uh, So the, the other news about the, about the uh, winter meetings was there really wasn't a lot of news. So now we're getting... This isn't really fantasy, but we're it's, it's December. We're baseball fans. We need to spice up the winter meetings. We need to have trade deadlines. We need to have free agent signing deadlines. As somebody who kind of does this for part of a living, I'm saying no. We don't need it. I let's let it let's let it play out the way it is. Just I like that. Every week there's a there's a move. Yeah, it's great. Um, we didn't really talk about the, the the big part of the deal though. We 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 went with the king side, but we didn't really talk like how much are we changing Soto? Well, we're going to get to that. I think we're going to get to the round table where he would okay. probably come. Okay, well, we can do, we can, I mean, fair enough. It's, it's 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 you know it's 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 front of conscience, but it's just I, this is more just a commentary. I'll, I mean, you know, let's, yeah. let's let's have the free agent signed by a certain date. No, let's not. You know, let's let it play out naturally. We're talking about people's livelihood and, and et cetera, et cetera. Let's let's not like, force the issue. I, you know, baseball's supposed to, all right, you have the pitch clock, but the beauty of it is it's not timed. It's, it's, you know, it, can't mm-hmm. say that anymore. So let's, let's let it play out again. I wouldn't mind if everything were done in one week, I just pedal to the metal, get all the changes done and we're done. We had that a couple of years ago, right? With the, with the, uh, with the pandemic season, all the moves right. came at once, but let's not you know, to mention the lockout too. I mean, yeah. That was the back, real back yeah. years of that. That was the nutsy. That was even more nuts, but you know, let's with social, everybody wants every, all the information yesterday. Let's, let's let things play out. And it's December 7th, for goodness sake. Let's not, let's not worry about it. But anyway, my um, favorite part of the off season is the part where baseball media argues with itself over whether or not it's allowed to be bored. I think, yeah. I think that's really that's really what we all were hoping for. Let's spend all of December debating whether or not we're allowed to be bored. You could be bored if you want. Sure, you could wish there were more signings, but it's not really up to us. So they're going to happen when they happen, and we'll <laughs> enjoy them when they come. I don't know. I guess I guess people who are primarily football or primarily basketball fans may really love that rush, uh, and maybe it would be cool in baseball. But I don't care enough to to get mad about it. Yeah, and our trade deadline's way better than football, so there. True. <laughs> yeah. In their face. Yeah, and I mean, look, we, we're no longer in the magazine business. We're in the profile, whatever business. And I do work on a couple magazines that it sure would be nice to know 
before we send this stuff out, but I, the bigger picture is let it, let, let's let things kind of just manifest on their own. I guess maybe now that I think about it, the, these winter meetings bored Clay sick. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Clay's a little under the weather. He'll be, he'll be fine. He was, he was looking forward to joining us and uh, we will, we'll have Clay on either, either on the Saturday XM show. We'll have him on to talk about his, Rank and we're going to be doing more updates, so who knows? We this may not be the last time we get together as a uh, threesome or foursome to talk about uh, our updates. So, all right, let's let's segue into the into the rankings, and we know we did spend a whole you know long time discussing, but let's each kind of a little bit about how we went about generating our initial rankings and what went into the recent update. Well. You, you know, you are ahead of us. You, your projections were done before mine. Um, so last time I had to, you know, you know, I, I just kind of, I was like, like looking at previous cheat sheets to make sure I wasn't forgetting people. And then I refer to the NFFC's draft champions ADP of like seven drafts just to make sure I didn't forget anybody. I still forgot somebody, but uh, you know, I still forgot Edward Julian last time, this time he's in there. Uh, but, and then I've, I've made some other changes, obviously news dictates things, but I've also now done projections for, you know, ev- I wouldn't, I, I, I wouldn't say that like the, like every player, but most every player, right. and I, at least I have like, Oh, I'm not as high on this guy as I thought I'd be. Oh, I really like this guy. You know, there was a couple of the cases there. Like I, I thought, Oh, I think I thought I'd like this guy a little bit better. Uh, an example of that, um, is, uh, I, I thought that. I'd really like uh, who was it? The Detroit pitcher, um, n- not not Scooball. I like Scooball a lot, but um, Reese Olson. Reese Olson, thank you. Uh, and I dug into the numbers a little bit. And I'm like, eh, nah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I still still like him, but I'm not like, oh, I'm not going to have a lot of him this year. There are some people that I'm not that way yet. Olson's odd in that. One, if they may, I know they can no longer get the Tigers at Rodriguez, but he's sort of on the bubble right now. He's fifth, but he could be the swing man before you know it. But there's enough injury and, and performance risk on that club that Olsen's going to get 20 starts. He just may not get one the first right. five days of the season. Right. Well, that, that that that's interesting, especially now that they signed uh, Maeda. And right. That You know, that one, that was one that kind of opened things up for Minnesota and also closed things off in Detroit. But, you know, it's... It's like okay, he's on a team that's not going to score for him, but it's also he, he, it's going to be tough to hit there. Or also, so I mean, there, there's a little bit of a trade off, and you know he's going to get innings. Yeah, yeah, and it, to me, the, the park was kind of parallel. I think the, you know, Detroit's going to fledge in the lineup. They're not there yet, but they you'd like to think Torkelson and Riley Green are going to get better, and they've they've got a couple other pieces that are coming up. I think they'll score a little bit more, but sure. uh, they're not there. They're not. I'm not going to say maybe they'll be one year early, like. Like like Texas was or something. I don't think they're there yet. But this, I think at this point, aren't they probably two or three years late? Even if they get there this yeah. year, I don't think well, they can claim to be one year early. Fair point. I, yeah, no, I, I suppose. But so Eric, you don't, you know, you're not really unless you're doing it without telling us. You're not so projection. You're not so stat sheet, uh, spreadsheet based. So right. Yeah, I don't. Yours. I don't create my own set of projections like either of you do. Maybe, maybe one day I'll get there. Usually, my process starts with taking a look at one of my favorite public projection systems, if that's ATC or the bat, if they're out, or if we're starting earlier, Steamer usually comes out earlier in the off season. Although this year, I think we started before even Steamer was available. Uh, so usually I build up my positional rankings uh, based on 
the projections or just looking at all the stats if the projections aren't there yet. Uh, and then once I have a positional ranking for everything, I'll turn those into a hitter ranking and a pitcher ranking, and then I'll combine those together, usually with big chunks of hitters and big chunks of pitchers at once, uh, which might be a way to tell whether somebody's going directly off projections or otherwise. Uh, for me, <laughs> it just ends up more as a tier because how am I really going to say, well, I like these five pitchers and these five hitters very similarly. Let's alternate them back and forth. That, that's never felt right to me. So usually I'll end up with, well, here, here's my similar tier pitchers. And I think I would prefer these pitchers over these five hitters uh, in most situations. But then, of course, it's the in most situations that's the trickiest part of coming up with rankings, right? If you're just doing a pure projection-based system, what you're really ranking is where you think players are going to finish the season. And of course, that's a little bit different from where you're going to draft. So if you do go by just strict projections, you have to know what you're doing when you're using those ranking systems and know that you're going to you know, modify that in the actual draft room because you might be drafting, especially as you get into later rounds, you're not drafting for the full season. Maybe you're drafting for April and May only when it comes to your last few picks and that sort of thing. And maybe even earlier on, you're biasing towards the first half because you know anything can happen as the season goes on. Uh, so I think that is probably one way where different people's rankings can end up very different because it depends the extent to which they're trying to predict the final finish versus give an instruction sheet to someone else who wants to draft exactly like them in a given draft room, if that makes yeah. sense. I will say one thing I did do is I did tier the closers a little bit. Like they're all, mm. they're in groups for me instead of like closer hitter, closer hitter. There's like three or four closers in a pack sometimes. Um, that, that's one thing I kind of just did there. Uh, Cause that's the way I would draft is, right. uh, you know, I'm going to have these guys in a, you know, I want, if I'm going to get a, a top tier closer, this is where I want to get them. And it happens right. to be later this year, by the way, because I do think there's more closers that I want, which is weird. I usually, you know, most years I go into this like, oh man, there's only eight guys I trust. No, I, I I trust more than that this year. No, I agree. So I, as Jeff kind of alluded to, I I am a for, formulaic uh, ranker at, at the beginning, but then I always struggle with, all right, all right, Mike Trout's going to get hurt. We know someone's going to replace him, so those stats go on a Trout's lineup spot, so I can draft him a little bit earlier. I'm just using him as an example. You know, we can go through that with with any of the players. So I always, I do, I start formulaically and then I'll make some adjustments and I will raise guys, lower guys, depending upon uh, some of that other ancillary uh, when you're actually drafting what you think about. Eric, you alluded to uh, first half, second half. I think once you get towards the back end, both with hitters and pitchers, you're thinking about matchups. You're thinking about using pitchers only at home but in formulaic rankings, maybe only against good teams or bad teams, but in formulaic rankings, the the starts where you're going to have them on the bench are included in that in that projection. Mm -hmm. So I think you can raise pitchers that you just you know you know you're only going to use them for favorable starts. They get you can push them up and or some of the you know used to be Cole Calhoun usually be my example David Peralta some of these left-handed batters you can use for strong leagues, especially in something like the NFBC where it's split. All right. Three righties or three out of four righties. So again, but the, the left-handed at bats against left-handed pitchers are included in those rankings, which are, you know, included well in this projection. So I do try to make adjustments that way. But what I found in my, in my update, 
Jeff, you mentioned closers. I'm kind of that way with pitching. Uh, so I kind of I put him down a bit, even with everybody saying, ah, pitching so flat, we don't have to draft it early. Uh, guess what? People are drafting pitching early. Oh, yeah. So You know, it's we it's one, it's one thing to say it. It's now when you're in the, when you're in that draft room, people, you know, so I, I had a I had a, I made the adjustment because it's unfair. It was un, I thought it was unrealistic where I had the pitching previously. So I have it just because I have a guy ranked where I have now. I don't have to take him there, but that's where I think he should go strategically i may not wait but i'm finding that what people are saying for three or four weeks and a lot of people in arizona first pitcher saying it too not not you you can't wait on pitching this year pitching is just flying like it always does can you wait on closers uh, sorry eric go ahead i was gonna say is it maybe the case that the, the top 20 has fewer pitchers than it has in previous rounds but by the time you get to the top 50 it seems like we've caught up you know rounds two or three we've have a totally normal amount of pitching seems to be yeah you can't if you if you want to wait till round four to get your first starter you're looking at i mean maybe you want Tariq schoolbill to be your starter and you're fine maybe you want sunny gray to be your second or third and you're and you're fine and i think you can win that way but if you i mean if you, you you're not people are not waiting on pitching you're not going to get a top 12 pitcher in the third round which was what the implication was at least that was my read what people are saying it's just when people now in that in that seat making that pick, and it's a you know it's a domino effect. The first the first once Strider and Cole are gone, you know once that first third once the third pitcher's gone, people start to oh boy if I want to get a decent starter I better I better take one. Closers though, Jeff, uh, this is so tough because people are draft championship. Uh, you know that's the way they're thinking now because those are more those are the drafts that are out there now. And I think you kind of do still have to make sure you get at least one of the air quote stable guys. I'm in a fab league right now, Eric. It's it's it's, it's the you're in the similar league that'll draft in January, where there's twice a week moves with pitching and hitting, so you can funnel relief pitching in pretty liberally. Now I say this, I did terrible in the league last year, but it, it usually <laughs> works for me. Uh, so you can wait a little bit longer. For instance, Pete Fairbanks, no one no one wants Pete Fairbanks because he's not going to close the whole year. Well, in this league, you draft Jason Adam and you play them both because you, you're not going to have the you're, – you're using your starters whichever half of the week they have their start. So there's room for guys like that. So I I, I like I like the guys like Jason Adam or maybe you get uh, – we can, you know, Kim, Kimbrell who's now – oh, boy. Kimbrell and, and, and uh, Cano, you get the two of them because – I don't know which is going to get the save. I don't care. One of them will. Yeah. So it's so funny because like I'm looking at our round table ranks and on that top tier, I'm pretty much below everyone um, on most of the pitchers, but the next year, like Helsley and Fairbanks and Munoz, I'm right. Well, Munoz, I'm still a little bit behind, but point is that that tier I'm, I'm fine with uh, because I think I, I I'll take two from there. Fine. I'll take, I'll be the Fairbanks and Helsley guy. Fine. Saddle me with those guys. Yeah. Uh, put Alzali in there for me. I just, I happen to yeah, like, I like him too. I, I think that he's kind of the, right. You're not, if you wait, you're not, when you wait, you're not always going to get the guy you're waiting on, but he's the guy that I'm kind of waiting on <laughs> is Albert Alzali. I just, I love the situation. I don't think, I don't think the Cubs are going to go out and sign a closer. I think they, they kind of found money and they're going to spend knock on wood the, for your Cubs fan on somebody else. Yeah, I'm big, big Ed Browse life fan. Loved him last year. I think you're you're paying full price for him this year, but I think the price is fine. Uh, I'm just looking at the ADP for relievers. I see there's about 
20 guys this year who are around 125 or higher in the NFBC right now. So 20, that means that if you want two trustworthy closers, you can. Only a third of your league can do it, but you can. Um, you can get one of the last closer ones and one of the first closer twos with a guy, say, like Edward Auslay, Tanner Scott, somebody like that. Uh, and I think I agree with Jeff. It's the idea of moving that top tier back in the draft, but keeping that second tier where it is or maybe even moving it up because relievers, as we all know, they're just so volatile. And I would trust my ability to separate closer four from closer eight a lot less than I trust my ability to separate first baseman four from first baseman eight, just because it's always going to be that way because of how few innings a reliever is ever going to throw. And if you're mostly just looking to get a stable reliever, who's going to give you a shot at a very good number of saves and is going to be at least completely fine for a closer, it kind of doesn't really matter which one you get. So if you can end up with the 15th and 16th reliever off the board, you might be a lot better off than getting that, third and 23rd reliever or something like that. Yeah. Especially since you only need 60 or 65 saves and not 85 or 90, like right. we needed a couple of years ago. I think, I think people don't, I don't think I'm, if you're, you know, if you play NFBC and you, and you look into that sort of thing, you, you probably realize it because that's what you do, but I don't think everybody realizes just with the way that saves are being spread out. The, the targets have dropped significantly in the category. Yeah, they have, they have. And it's, you know, I, the thing is I used to kind of, I, I used to do like the, uh, the, the NFBC 80th percentile, 70th percentile thing. Now like seven people do it. So I'm, and do it before I even get a chance to do it, but I, it is a trend I've noticed for sure. I think, yeah, I mean, it's kind of silly to say, but back in the you know early two thousands, people used, I used to do that. And I, you know, people would email me for the, for the results. Now they're just out there. Uh, I'm not sure it wasn't the only one in 2004 doing it, but I got a long list of emails. Corey Schwartz used to every year hit me up for the uh, Zola. Give me the give me the standings. So mm -hmm. we've been we've been looking at it since. Uh, yeah, Corey Corey used to play. He did he did very well early on. He was a great in, player in the NFBC. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was a time where I was one of the few. Now I'm not even playing the uh, the main event. It's kind of you can't you know you can't go to a main event roster without seeing six or seven or eight people in the industry and i think that's great i love yep. that yep and you see it like at first pitch arizona you see like the percentage of people there that are have played in and like oh i was in a league with you oh i was in a league with you and yeah all good players yeah we talked about that with rob dph last night is that you you really can get to know your competition in these leagues now you you can think you can plan a strategy based upon who's in your league and where they're picking, because we know so much about everybody at this yep. point. It's, it's kind of, you'll, you'll get there, Eric. Don't worry. You get yeah, there, I was going to actually ask you guys, do you <laughs> actually do that? Because I love the idea in theory, but I feel like if I'm spending time trying to figure out what it is you're trying to do, that's time that I could just be spent trying to figure out what I'm trying to do. And I've always found that thinking about my own team, except for those rare cases of, oh, there's only, you know, two third basemen left that I like. And I see the three of us have a hole at third base or something in a very deep league. I'll do that. But I've never tried to be like, well, I'm drafting next to Todd and I know what Todd likes. So I'm going to change my plan today. Well, maybe I should. I sat next to Phil Dussault, uh in the main <laughs> last year and I, I drafted my worst live event draft ever. So maybe I need to uh, reconsider my priors. I don't do that enough. 
in, in full disclosure, not so much full disclosure, but to put a frame around it, we were talking about because Rob won the draft championship a couple years ago. We were talking more about the where there's two hours between picks, and you can spend a little. You know, you're not making that 30 second decision sitting next to the robot. Correct. So you, you it's a you you it, that then we kind of sit in the draft champions was sort of well people do so many of them that if you think you know what they're going to do, maybe they're not going to do it because they're doing a few different leagues right. and they may try something different. So then it becomes like the old, you know, the Iocane thing, you know, that's what you want me to think. Uh, oh yes. Nice. <laughs> the battle of wits. You're going to get one great princess, reference. Yeah. One princess bride in, into every podcast. Uh, while I, cause I always forget. So this is a good time to do it. Uh, I'm going to pause a couple minutes. Uh, we'll pause a little bit here for some uh, ads from our sponsors and we'll be back in just a second with some more Roundtable Talk. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Okay, folks, thanks thanks for that. Uh, make our Make our sponsors happy. And we are now back. We'll talk a little bit more about the roundtable. Jeff, you you kind of teased it, so let's let's just jump in on on Juan Soto. Yeah, uh, where where did we have him? And then the next update, where do you think you're going to move him? So I was highest on Soto at I had him at 14. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't like I was way above or anything like that. It was, it was uh, his com- consensus rank was 17, right. like 14, 19, 16, 16. But I'm up. I might move him up a notch. I might uh, put him up a couple of spots here. 
my individual rank, uh, let's see, I'm trying to think who I had immediately before him. I had Jose Ramirez right before him, Trey Turner. I'm probably not going to move those guys down. He, I mean, in theory, he should benefit a lot from going to Yankee Stadium, right? That short porch and right field. Uh, he does hit so many ground balls is the one thing that kind of like kind of halts me from making a dramatic change. But it is a contract year in Yankee Stadium. I might bump him up a notch or two. Uh, like I, I might put him ahead of Ramirez. I, I think I'll do that. Uh, but I, I don't know if he goes that much higher unless I think he's going to run. That's yeah. That's kind of the, the 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 secret of the whole thing is. I mean, with Washington, I, I know they were all double steals with Trey Turner, but he ran a little bit more. Didn't run quite as much as San Diego, but running, as you know, is kind of like it's as much a want to as it is a skill thing, and. To me, that the Padres didn't want to do a whole lot. <laughs> didn't want to do a whole lot last year. It was just kind of a team malaise. But yeah. uh, we'll see. We'll see how much running you. I mean, how much running are you going? Well, you got Judge in front of you. Then you've got. It's it going to be Lemayhu? Who's going to be hitting cleanup? We're not sure. But I think you know he'll get his ten or twelve. Uh, park factor wise, what I I had you know this is just my numbers and who knows. 274, 420, 514 in Petco. And in Yankee Stadium, the average is about the same. OBP's up about 10 points, but the slug went up to 540. And this is strictly park factor. It's no park overlays, no stat cast. You know, there are a, a few different ways to do it. And like you're saying, with the ground balls, uh, he's not going to he's not is he he's not really a slugger anyway, right? He's just a really good hitter. I don't think I classify him as a slugger. So I think you will benefit. We don't know how he's going to be pitched. Right. That's part of it. Is he going to change the swing because now yeah. there's more yeah. reward? Who yeah. knows? Does that mess him up otherwise? Who knows? I and mean, he could go, he could yeah. go Joey Callow, Gallo on us. Jerry Callow, Joey yeah. Gallo. <laughs> he's um, dead. Cross him off the list. Yeah, exactly. What do you think? The, the, you yeah. Know, so the potential for a change swing is interesting. I mean, not that you'd really recommend that Juan Soto change his swing, but part of his appeal the whole time has seemed to be that his knowledge of hitting is excellent, right? If you're getting compared to Ted Williams from the time you're right out of the cradle, I mean, people are praising your hitting mind as well as anything. So I think we can assume that he is aware of the park factors at Yankee stadium and will do something to take advantage of them. And you say he's not a slugger. I can understand why we would say that, but he also has a 13% barrel rate last <laughs> year, 55% hard hit rate. I mean, he's doing the things that sluggers do. He's just also right. doing other things. So we right. don't call him that. Although that said, I only had him at 16 on my rankings and I'm not sure I'm going to move him a lot. Uh, I'm really happy with the tier I have him in. There's a tier of six hitters, who I have is at the one-two turn. I think most people will have most of these guys around there. Hitters who are very good with the bat aren't going to run a lot. Uh, I have it as Bryce Harper and Matt Olson at the start of that tier, and then Aaron Judge and Jordan Alvarez, who are better hitters but more risky. And then I had Juan Soto and Corey Seager as five and six of that tier. And I view those guys all as pretty similar. I'm If I want a huge bat, those are all great huge bats. I think you could make the case for moving Soto up to the top of that tier ahead of Harper and Olsen. Uh, although then you have Soto ahead of Aaron Judge. I guess that mostly would come down to risk tolerance. I think the projections are going to love Aaron Judge more there. Um, I don't see room for moving him a lot, though. I don't think that the park factor change to me pushes him, say, ahead of Spencer Strider or into the middle of that first round where some hitters who are even maybe a step better are sitting guys who might give you more steals as well. So I think... At most, he's going to move within that tier for me. 
No, that makes sense. I think be, looking, you know, again, you, you guys have both kind of alluded to it. If I'm going to move them up, well, who am I going to move down? Right. And once you start looking at the names and the thing about every name that we talked about is they're going to run a little bit. And that's so important. Or just, pitch as the, or, in the or, case. Or, or, or pitch, <laughs> exactly. So I'm looking where I, you know, I did, I did the formulaic change. So I was just curious and I got him 16th and I think he comes out like 13th, which it jumps him over Harper. And I think very close to where I have Olsen. And I think it's a pretty decent comp with, with uh, Soto and Olsen. As I have him what, above those, the, both yeah. those already and judge for that matter. Um, yeah. Just because I think he'll be on the field, and I can't guarantee that that will be the case with uh, with, with Judge. Yeah, in this, I mean Harper. My, I changed Harper a lot in this update. I was just shortchanging him playing time. Once he came back from the uh, from the rehab, he barely missed a game, and two of the games he missed were the last two games of the season, right. where he was just given rest because of the playoffs. So it's just so, I mean, we spend so much time barrel rates and, you know, this and expected WOBA and all these things. And we kind of hand wave playing time. It's just, I, we need to have a more scientific means of playing time. But who, the, you know, but the other hand, who knows? We just don't know. True. It's just, ah, it's, it's frustrating because uh, we talked about, I, you know, Jeff, you were probably on the show. I talked about with the, with lists years ago that if the material genie would have come down, and offer you the slash line of every player or the plate appearances of every player, which would you want for the upcoming season? Give me the playing time every time. Yeah. That <laughs> you know? I can figure out basically what the player is capable of. Obviously, the, you know, there, there are changes, there's breakouts and all that, but I usually am in the neighborhood. But if it's a, especially like, especially if it's either an injury prone, prone player or a player that, you know, is on the cusp of breaking out. If he's getting 600 plate appearances, chances are he's broken out, you know, right. and chances are things yes. are going well. Yeah. yeah. Playing yeah. time tells you a lot about their slash line. Also, if you had all the playing time ahead of time, you'd see, Oh, there's two guys in the first two rounds who only had 110 plate appearances. Well, I guess I'm guaranteed to avoid this year's <laughs> most massive landmines. I think, I think yeah. that would probably be a smart direction to go. The thing is that this genie has just never visited me yet. Not you know, yet. I, I keep rubbing these these little bottles and stuff, and it just hasn't hasn't occurred. Have not that would get me back into the main event is if I had a genie giving me the playing time, but it hasn't occurred. I you know I'd set up a GoFundMe or something to uh, to get myself in there, but but it hasn't happened yet. So we'll just have to wait to keep rubbing the magic bottles and find that Aladdin somewhere. The um the uh, all right, so I think so it, to me Juan Soto's in that in the same tier that he was. Maybe it's just where amongst the Alvarez's and the Otani's and the Harper's, I think he's in the kind of in the same tier. Maybe he goes from the front to the mm -hmm. back to the front of it. But even so, within the tier, as you guys are alluding to, it's still team build. It's still there are other factors in taking one off the top. Yeah, for sure. Although you'll have to make the decision kind of too early to really consider team build considerations, right? If you're deciding between him and a guy who has a little bit more power and a little bit less batting average, you have to make that decision before you know anything about the rest of your team in a draft. Probably you've had zero well, or one other pick. It sets the tone for your draft is what it does. That's true. Yeah, no, no, for sure. And, you know, the whole outfield is not as as deep as it was. So I don't, I mean, we're, we're talking about outfield and first base anyway at this point. And, and we can talk a little bit about where we ranked Otani 
knowing that he's going to block your utility. And are you willing to block your utility? I don't care how good the numbers are. Are you willing to block your utility with those numbers that early? Um, I I moved Otani down. I had like sixth. I I moved him way down. And it wasn't just because Zoldi, you're crazy for having him sixth. Sixth, I did a little bit more of a deep dive into it and what players do when they first come back from TJ and himself included. And yeah, they, they started a little bit slow. And I know he had the surgery a little bit before Harper, but I, I was just too aggressive. And I, it's Otani. He'll be fine. I, I did move him down. Well, and you're one spot below me and Eric's below you even still. So right. I, I think we're all kind of sharing a brain on this one here. And I yeah, mean, I, I just looked at Otani's own history with, his previous elbow surgery, because unfortunately we have a very good example of what it looks like when Otani <laughs> is returning from major elbow surgery. Uh, if you look at all of his seasons where he is a two-way player, he has a WRC plus of 142 or better. Uh, if you look at that first year back from his first surgery, that's 2019, he was down to 120, which is a good mark, but maybe not somebody you're taking at the back end of the first round. Maybe, maybe it still is, honestly, with the speed he has. Um, but you look at his next year, He was all the way down to 81. Granted, that was a very short 2020 season. There's a lot of mitigating factors at play. Or down to 80 that season. Uh, But I think that just goes to show that he has shown in the past that when he's having to do what he has to do right now, which keep in mind, he's still a two-way player right now. It's just that all of his pitching work is happening behind the scenes. But he's still going through all that work of rehabbing his arm like a pitcher does. He's -hmm. just trying to also be a designator hitter at the same time. Uh, I think I think he's going to have one of his weaker seasons this year. I think I'm going to be very much in on Shohei Otani again in the future. Love rooting for him. Love having him on my teams. But I think he has shown in his own past that this is a really, really hard thing that he's trying to do. And examples like you mentioned with Bryce Harper. Uh, Tony Womack, too, who got back in the news because Bryce Harper broke Tony Womack's fastest ever return from Tommy John <laughs> surgery. Uh, Tony Womack, that year that he returned from Tommy John, maybe this was the bit of the story that people weren't thinking about. Uh, He had a 35 WRC plus that season. So when you try to come back right after major elbow surgery, it's really, really hard. And it it should enhance his legend, not take away from it, that he's even a decent hitter while he's doing that. But I think we should really keep in mind that it's very, very hard to do what he's trying to do. And I should point out, I was headed down this direction, but Eric, you gave this exact um, explanation on the radio, SiriusXM, MLB Network Radio, over the weekend, and you really sent me down this rabbit hole. I was kind of leaning that way, but this information that you you provided is like, wow, wow, Eric knows his stuff. I did not. Yeah. Did, not I, I would think. love to be wrong here. <laughs> I would absolutely love yeah. for Shohei Otani to win MVP as a one-way player. That I mean, would be the coolest thing around, but I'm not betting on that. There's the whole. Get a guy, don't get a guy in the first year of his contract thing. Anyhow, the whole Rick and Glenn thing. I mean, they're not wrong. I mean, it more often than not that, that, that plays out in our favor because just necessarily the player is coming off a career year regression, regression usually wins. Yeah. Well, I think it was Ron, Ron Chandler called it gravity, right? Called it gravity method. Um, that, you know, it just pulls you in. You mentioned Womack. I giggled a little bit, probably didn't hear it, but um, he once won me an NFC league because he was like a, a backup on the Red Sox. So I drafted him in my reserve round. Then he got traded to the national league and had a great year. 
So this is like like the early 2000s when I used to do the ALNL only. So I have a soft spot in my heart for Tony Womack. But anyway, neither here nor there. Um, this is our Laura Michaels moment of the show. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, have you, uh, well, I mentioned, mentioned Ron a little bit. Uh, Jeff, have you had a chance to check out Fantasy Expert, the, the book that Ron shared with us at the first pitch? You mean this book, Fantasy Expert yeah. by Ron? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I've... I've read it. I stayed up to like three in the morning reading through it. Like the first night I was back um, when I finally had a little bit of time. Yeah, absolutely. First night I didn't have football duties. I got to read it at the airport. I was a little early for my flight. So I just perfect, perfect reading while waiting for a flight. I don't know about you, but it's like, as I'm reading it, I was remembering my own mindset at the time, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever he was talking about. Oh, this is when I was a real jerk when I thought I knew everything. And this is when I started to realize that I should soften things up a bit and, and, and not just, you know, I, I kind of remembering how I, you know, I, I went through it. It was kind of, it was kind of fun. I just of say, I'm impressed with Ron keeping every single communication oh, ever. Gosh. Um, I'm, and I'm glad I wasn't a real ass about it when I, when <laughs> I responded, like we met basically cause he critiqued something that we wrote and I, I, at least I was nice about it, trying to defend ourselves. And we ended up, uh, you know, start of a friendship. So. Absolutely. And, and, well, you know, Ron was, Ron was fair. I mean, I, he was very, very kind words in my direction. Thank him for that. But mm-hmm. I think he was fair within, you know, within the, within his critique and, and pointing out things along the way. I think it's just, a, it's a great read. Uh, I think the first run of books is probably, probably sold out, but well, I'm sure one of us will find all of us will have run on in the spring when the hard covers out and we'll talk to him a little bit more, uh, be podcaster on the radio or all of them. Uh, come the spring, so it's it, it was a really fun read, and I uh, you know got a kick out of reminiscing. But you're right though, because uh, he had you know whipped out these notes, whether it was at Tout or I don't remember what it was. It's like he's been tracking all of us for all these years. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so Eric, we we've got our eyes on you, buddy. We've got our eye. We 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 know what Big Brother's watching you, Mister Halterman. Uh, I'm excited to see your notes, but I think, I think <laughs> you already know that I pick pitchers who don't throw enough innings i don't think i don't think you need secret notes for that one all right well how about this eric fetty are you back are you in on eric fetty i'm just being a little bit facetious here but he's in the news he's, yeah. he's he had a good year over overseas and he's back now see a guy that you're going to try to sneak in because maybe people don't trust him well so i think the relevant comparison is how in on Chris Flexen were you for his <laughs> first two years. And now that sounds like a really bad name because it went really bad for Chris Flexen last year, right? Uh, having to move to Colorado, what his ZRA was six something. Um, it was ugly. Yeah. And even those first two years when he was back, you could say probably a lot of that was pitching in Seattle. Uh, he was not striking guys out, strikeout rates in the 16% for Flexen's first two years coming back from Korea. But he had three six six ERA those two years. If you look at Eric Fetty, he, like Flexen, went over to KBO and dominated for one season. But he dominated to a greater extent than Flexen did. Uh, He beat him in strikeout rate by a point and a half, beat him in walk rate by a point and a half. Uh, He beat him by a full run of ERA. uh, And his whip was 14 points lower, too. So if if you thought when Chris Flexen first came over that he deserved last-round consideration, uh, and if you think that he lived up to that with his years in Seattle... Absolutely, you should be on Fetty to that extent. But again, Chris Flexen also did what he did last year. And Eric Fetty, I don't think, is magically several steps different than what he used to be. He could absolutely have a Chris Flexen 2023 season. 
but I'm somebody who believes that guys who do well in Korea are doing well against a legitimate level of competition and the stats do matter. And we can look at those stats and how they compare to previous stats and say, yeah, that, that's enough to make me interested. Fetty clears that bar. I am not going to invest much in him, but I think the amount of contract he got, what, two years, five million per year, I think that is a good indicator of the expectations we should have for him. I think that's somebody who should be on a roster in a deeper fantasy league. I think I'd be more sanguine about his chances had he signed anywhere else besides <laughs> the White Sox. Good um, maybe, uh, well, the Rockies are worse even, but, you know, you get my point here. Um, I, I, there, I, I don't like the environment he's stepping into. Um, I want him to be the next Miles Michaelis, but I fear he's going to be closer to uh, Flexen. See, if I recall correctly, and I may be wrong, Flexen kind of learned how to pitch backwards, which is often what you do overseas, you know, work off the breaking stuff and and and, and not feature the fastball. Fetty was always on my, there's more strikeouts if he can just figure out, you know, he was always the, he could take the next step list. And I, I just wondered maybe that's, that's what he did is he figured out how to take the next step. So he is a guy, um, you know, I'm thinking, Eric, you're talking about, uh, 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 now I'm now I'm drawing a blank of the of the the guy with the Yankees that went to San Diego. Your guy, Michael King. Michael King. Michael King. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, this is where mine did. My mind might might be is, I think I would rather take a shot at Eric Fetty over Michael King, maybe because I can get Fetty later. But if I, if I'm yeah, like, I was gonna say not not at a similar yeah, if, draft. But if I'm but like, all right, I'm gonna general. take a spec, spec on one guy, I may bypass Michael King where he's drafted. And I know, yeah, the Chicago part doesn't. I don't like that very much. Not Jeff, not going to take him to AL labor because you don't have the luxury of you know playing the wait and see game. He's in the lineup, but I could see taking him in a league where you're able to bench him if you need to. Yeah, yeah, I hear you on that. Um, I mean, I want him to succeed. I want. I, I like good success stories like that. I do like taking. I'll, I I'd be more inclined to take a pitcher coming over from Japan than I would be someone like Fetty with his profile. Well, we can let, let's segue into that a little bit where we have Yamamoto in our rankings. Cause oh gosh, I'm seeing so much. How can you give this much money to a guy who's never thrown a pitch in MLB before? I don't, it's that's to me, that's a, that's kind of, to me, it's are lazy. we still having that conversation though? To me, it's yeah. Oh, it's all over Twitter. At least yeah. what's left of Twitter. Right, actually about um, that. What's left of Twitter? Because I actually pulled, it, 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 it instigated a post the other day where I posted the the two twenty two thousand twenty three and using and I don't always agree with this method, but it's MLT MLB teams use it where the each war is worth eight million dollars and you can judge how you feel pitchers worth based on that how much war they they produced. So I said, you know, here here is what people did in two thousand twenty three, and here is air quote what they were worth. Where do you rank Yamamoto among that list? And just eyeballing the list for me, yeah, he's he's $30 million. Looking at some of the pitchers that produced $30 million. So, yeah, he hasn't thrown a pitch in the major leagues, but he's thrown a heck of a lot of pitches, even at age 25. you got to sort of loosen that up a little bit. Right. And 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 you can't, you can't just categorically dismiss him because he's never thrown a pitch in the major leagues. But so let's see. Oh, my, my screen just went blank. Let's see where we all where we all rank Yamamoto. In our respective in the in, in, in the round table. Let's see, use the right keyboard, Yama Yama. So we're kind of we're, we're we're close. 
I'm defending him and I'm I'm the high man. Here. Yeah, I'm, yeah. But I but he also hasn't landed yet. So right, right. I, I'm giving myself license to uh, to to bump him up. And in fact. And the January update, look for him to go a little higher, perhaps. Uh, in fact, one of those things, like I was on the, when you guys had me on the MLB Network radio ch- uh, show, right. um, I made changes like immediately after our segments, like, oh, geez, they make good points. I better bump him up. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, if you liked Kodai Senga, let me introduce you to Yamamoto, who is just as good. Uh, you know, the numbers were, have been, you know, in Senga, obviously, People are drafting Senga with confidence this year. Why wouldn't you do it with Yamamoto? Exactly. I think, now, I think he's not just just as good. I think he's a good deal better. Uh, I think, yeah. like I was mentioning earlier, these stats from the leagues in Korea and Japan, they're real useful stats. And we can compare Yamamoto to mm-hmm. Japanese pitchers who have come over and had the most success stateside. You look at his numbers, especially over the last few years, his numbers look like that of, you know, Yu Darvish, Masahiro Tanaka. His numbers look like the best Japanese starters coming over. Uh, not that necessarily that second tier, not not the Yusei Kikuchi level guys. Uh, Kodai Senga had the strikeout rate of those guys, but had a bit higher walk rate. And his ERA as a result was in the low twos for most of his recent seasons in Japan. Whereas some of these guys, Yamamoto, he sits below 1.5. So I think really, if you, if you thought Senga was one tier, you should have Yamamoto easily a tier above him because he's been a tier above him in Japan. You should have him with the potential to have a U Darvish type career, especially given how young he's coming over too. That's that's part of the reason why his total contract's going to be so high. He's got five years of prime ahead of him still, and you just don't get that on the free agent market. So if yep. you have teams believing that, yep, we saw what he can do in Japan, we already believe. He's at the level of frontline starter, and I believe that too. You can get that guy for way longer than you're going to get a free agent in most cases. So he's not Dice K2, or as I used to call him, Dice BB? Uh, he's not Hideki no, I, I, I rob you either. But you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, the, dice key, the Dice BB joke looks much better in print. But anyway, uh, yeah, I, I, I think I mentioned this to each, each of you guys on, on different media before. Before I sent my put my projections out, I had a couple of conversations with Tim McLeod, who, if you were listening to this podcast, you probably already listened to his podcast with James. Might as well plug that again. Tim just plugged into the, the Japan and the Korea Leagues, good friend of ours, Prospects 365, Telt Wars, et cetera. And he kind of gave me a little bit of a rundown on on what I should about about these players. And he kind of he mimicked what you said, Eric, in that his stuff is better than anybody that's come over other than Otani. Mm. That's so. pretty. I mean, saying it's better than you, Darvish, who was just a unicorn when he came over. I mean, Darvish, yeah. you guys remember the hype when Darvish came over? Oh, yeah. And well, I think yeah. it was justified. I mean, yeah. If he's got better stuff than Darvish, I'd be impressed. Um, Darvish was like the ultimate toolsy guy. I'll check. I'll check the email. Maybe he's, maybe he put Darvish. But, but the point being, I mean, it's, it's still really, in that ballpark. Really good. Point, yeah. No, it's Darvish's yeah, it's, strikeout rate was about a point higher in Japan over his last few years. But his ERA was around 160 versus 140. But again, both similarly stupidly elite and yeah. not just a, a very good starter. Because guys like Kohei Arahara, uh, who come over and don't really have any success over here, they're pretty good starters in Japan. Guys like Yusei Kikuchi, who have some success at times here. He was quite good. He was typically a, a mid-two ZRA guy over in Japan. 
but Yamamoto is a tier below those guys, unlike, say, Shota Imanaga, uh, who he is more of that mid-twos, slightly towards the high-twos ERA guy in Japan. Those guys tend to settle in as four-somethings ERA guys uh, in MOB. Uh, so if we move on to him at some point, I think he, his comps aren't, aren't nearly the same tier. Whereas Yamamoto, I really have minimal reason to doubt, especially with the amount of stuff guys out there in the industry who are looking at the exact characteristics of pitches, regardless of how many times we've seen them pitch in MLB. Mm-hmm. Seems like pretty much the news from that corner of the industry is pretty positive on Yamamoto too. Maybe a little bit of doubts over whether or not he's, quite as elite as some of his numbers say but in general i'm not seeing many reasons to complain from that angle either nope you mentioned you mentioned imanaga uh shoto imanaga i was going to mention him a little bit too so jeff and i are around 300 and uh, eric you and clear around 200 and the the red flag or yellow flag maybe that i had with imanaga was the hardest thing for me to translate of the numbers is the home run rate because they're generally so low coming over from Japan and Korea. They're just such low home run rates, except his is kind of high. So it's like if you translate it using the regular translation, you know, he's not going to give up two homers a game. But where is it going to land? So that was my concern with Imanaga is that I don't know where his home run rate will land. And, Jeff, you mentioned we don't know where Yamamoto is going to pitch. We don't know where Imanaga is going to pitch. So if he, in in a home run suppressing ballpark, I'm probably more likely to bring him to the 250 range where I have him in the 300 range. He still makes our list, and I think he is a starter who deserves to be in a top 300 list. That's what 20 rounds in the 23 team in the 15 team draft. But uh, his, his his the stuff the stuff. Now, actually, when I say the stuff, according to Eno Saris's stuff stuff plus, and it was the World right. Baseball Classic, which is very small sample, but Imanaga. His stuff graded better than uh, than Yakamoto's in the in the in the short WBC. It's just, imp- yeah, I mean, it's you can't take that literally just because it was a small sample, but it does say you can't ignore it either. Uh, you know, you just you just can't ignore, uh, and and we'll see where you know maybe. And- Imanago, he gets strikeouts in Japan, and he avoids the walks too. But like you said, that home run rate. Um, I've got a piece that I've been working on. Hopefully we'll have it finished by the time the first one of these big names signs. I was looking at how much of a jump should we expect from uh, Japanese starters when they come over in various stats. And the change in homer per nine, they jump by about three quarters of a home run per nine innings. Right. You look at Yamamoto, that only sends him up to right around one homer per nine because he was under a quarter most of the time his last few years in Japan. Whereas Imanaga... Uh, he was sitting at uh, about one the last few years. So expect him to be at 1.7, 1.8, which is a problematic number. Yeah, that's yeah. I, kind of, I rounded to two, but yeah, that's the exact, yeah, that's kind of where I landed. Translations for the, you know, alternate leagues are so difficult. Um, mm-hmm. It's tar- hard enough in the minor leagues because you still are trying to account for different ballparks and run environments and things like that. But then to try to do it, then you have to know like the Japanese ballparks, you know, or, you know, the worst ones were Cuban ones. Cuban ones was just like, forget about it. I'm just going to, you know, you know, cause, cause the, the data gets less trustworthy, the, you know, the, the farther the league down goes, if you will. Uh, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, always like the, the Japanese pitcher stats. I'm like, Oh, okay. I got to alter this by X percent. Oh, nope. That's not enough. Keep going. 
keep going, keep altering. And it's, it's always tricky. Yeah, we had a better chance a few years ago of getting the launch codes than we did of getting some of the Cuban statistics. Yep. They began to leak out. Then you had to put them in through a translator because ah, it, was, it was, it was, there were a few, there were more Cubans and uh, Cespedes or a few of them back then that we had to figure it out because they were going to be good ball players. So yep. yeah, I remember, remember those days. I don't think that's in Ron's book though, but anyway, um, we can we can think of a couple more questions. Just curious, do you guys, do either of you have a a question you want to pose to the other other two of us? As we just pick on another couple of players and riff again. Why don't well, you pick? Was, unless Eric, I don't have any. Uh, go ahead, you guys. I, I go. got what, one name who ties into a couple of the topics we were on. Uh, is Jung Hoo Lee has been floated as a potential guy going to the Padres now that the Padres yeah. traded away two outfielders. Um, he's somebody who has impeccable contact skills and looks like he should play good corner outfield defense, maybe can be used in center, uh, can run a bit, maybe has just no power. Uh, but the idea of him going to San Diego, joining Hassan Kim, I mean, if I was moving across an ocean and starting a job in a foreign country, I would sure like to have one person from my home country who speaks my native language, and let alone the, their teammates. So it's a, quite a strong link there if that's yep. the direction he wants to go. And that might even make me discount the usual first year adjustment that I would expect for a hitter coming over. Maybe we'd think it could be a little less. I don't know if I want to move much based on that. Uh, but if we do see Lee land in San Diego, do you think that would increase your interest or do you have interest in him to begin with? Again, talking to Tim, he warned the thing he warned about Lee was the, con the contact is just so, so soft. he's afraid of major league pitchers knocking the bat out of his hand mm -hmm. that, you know, I think they said similar things about Yoshida, maybe not to the extreme. So I am, con I, if he moves to a place like San Diego, I guess I'm a little less concerned, but in, let's see where the market treats him in the first place. Tim was saying, be careful. We didn't know where the market would going to, the fantasy market, how he was going to rank. I mean, I mean, if the fantasy market isn't impressed, then you don't have to be careful. Maybe you can be aggressive. But that's that's the one th the thing I'm concerned. But we've seen, and especially now with the way the game's played, you know, uh, guys that put the bat in the ball and maybe they don't crush it, they're going to, there's a, there's a pathway to success. And, you know, a guy in Miami kind of had some success doing that. Yeah, I, I think those... Arise hits the ball a little bit harder. Yeah, Arise hits the ball hard. But I, I also think, like, long-term success isn't that common with guys with that bat, sort of batted ball profile. It worked for him, but, I mean, he has, like, ultimate control, too. You know, if he may not hit it super hard, but at least he, he can always direct it better, and most, most hitters can't. Uh, so... I would be a little wary of saying, okay, he's the next Arias, or I know you weren't saying that either. I'm not, I'm right, not gonna, right, right, right. Uh, but I don't, I, all, all things being equal, I want guys that hit the ball hard. Um, and maybe that's why I wasn't on Nico Horner or Hassan Kim too much last year, though. And those guys turned out to have amazing seasons. So, I mean, there's a, there's a, uh, a downside to my method, though, too, I suppose. Yeah. I guess I hate Tim's warning a, a little bit. But I have I have the sense that the market isn't going to go goofy for him either because he just you know no power no speed as our buddy Scott Pianowski says no category juice right yep I love that I love that I love that term category juice got no money and there you are right. <laughs> NFC anyway. ADP for him is sitting at three seventy right now so you're not having to pay much and he's not he has not made our 
top 300. Maybe, I guess, if he lands in a very favorable lineup spot, but it sounds like probably in the 300s is where he's going to sit. Sure. Yeah, and I think, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I joked about it on Twitter. I was, I read it in my playing time grid, and I don't know who's going to play in the field for San Diego next year. Right. You know, they, they, they need some they need some outfielders and maybe they should make a trade with the Yankees. Cause they have a lot of extra outfielders, but uh, they'll get one Soto. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, yeah, I, I, the Padres will figure it out. I, I also said, and I don't think it'll happen, but I think they should buy Bogarts, Xander Bogarts an outfield glove and use this to get him off the infield and move Kim over to shortstop. Uh, although the metrics did Xander improved this past season. Uh, Hassan Kim is still a better fielder. Yeah. Pretty sad that that contract already looks terrible, by the way. Um, I'm not, as a Boston fan, I mean, I'm not really complaining because that's just all the more argument why we should have kept him. We should have kept him. But um, it was just, uh, yeah, San Diego bid against themselves. And I usually leave this kind of discussion to other people, but they just kind of came out of nowhere with 280 or whatever it was. It's like, yep. wow. That's where did that where did that come from? That's just nuts. And he's always he's been the kind of player who's not elite in necessarily in many areas, but he makes a solidly above ever average amount of contact with good power and plays shortstop. He doesn't play shortstop well, so we can't count him as an elite defender, but a good one. But somebody like that, where there isn't necessarily that one area where you say, you know, this guy's top of the world in this, he's going to still right. do that as he heads into his mid-30s. I mean, if you go from solidly above average everywhere to eh, average, a little bit above average everywhere, suddenly that's not looking like a $280 million player. No, absolutely. So we're, we've hit the hour mark. So let's, um, we, like I said, we can do this all day. We'll probably do it in a month when we have, and hopefully Clay will be with us when we do our update. But Jeff, I know you're still doing some football stuff, but you're yep. in the into the baseball mode. But so, what are you guys doing now as far as baseball? Getting geared up for the baseball season? Uh, can we, you know, can we find Eric? You you already alluded to a couple pieces you're doing. Why don't you give us a little bit of an idea what what's going on there when we may see it? Yeah, I've got a uh, Shohei Otani piece, a why I'm not drafting Shohei Otani piece that I probably am going to publish when Shohei Otani signs. But if I feel ready for it, maybe maybe I'll throw that up now, as well as something on the players coming over from Asia and Korea in the pipeline. I don't know exactly when that will come. The initial dream was that one of them would have signed over the winter meetings and I would have timed it with that and ridden the news cycle. But I might just decide to make my own news at some point. Make your own news. And Jeff, exactly. I, you, you mentioned projections. I know you're working on the back on the scenes to get the, the draft kit ready and all that sort of stuff. Yep. We should be, it's still early December. We we got a little bit of time, but we'll be seeing that fairly soon, right? Yeah, we're submitting to Apple next week uh, for the the uh, the the app draft kit app. So right, you'll see that soon. Um, and then you know, right, like the full the first set of projections is are in. Now it's like putting in like no hitters and you know breaking down the pitcher hits allowed into singles, doubles, and triples, <laughs> things like that. But, you know, things I really thoroughly enjoy. Uh, but no event, but then I want to, I want to kind of readdress like my evaluation formula. That's something I need to kind of retool. I felt like that was something that didn't get the, the right amount of attention in the last two years and things in the, in the run environment have changed so much. So I'm going to be spending a lot of time on that. Um, and then, you know, especially like, the the quantum leap in stolen bases, for instance, like I have to, you know, how much I'm waiting stolen bases. Uh, and 
you know, and then there'll be like, I'm going to jump in. I just want to battle test it. Right. And that that's when the big sweeping changes in rankings will come when I do all the valuation and it spits out a form, you know, it spits out the results. And I'm like, Ooh, do I want that? Oh, I do want that. And then I'll do a draft and I'll like, I'll be put to the test. Like, okay, that guy hung around for 75 picks at the top of my queue and I still didn't take him. Okay. It's time to downgrade him. Yeah, I just went through that. I've only done, hard to believe, everybody's sitting down. I've only done one draft to this point. It was a mock for Lindy's Magazine. I usually have got a couple drafts in the in the hopper at this point. So I went through my first iteration of that. And it's that fine line, Jeff, between, oh, no, you know, I, he's on the board. I need to change it because people are going to think I'm an idiot. Or, all right, why, is I, why do I have him so high? Right. And figure out why and lower it. I, I never want to change a guy just because I'm afraid that someone's going to, you know, call me out. If I believe it, I believe it, and I'll defend for it. For sure, you know. It, but but like I realized with a couple of players, oh geez, Ollie, you uh, you know Harper's going to play more than that. You know he only missed six games after he came back. You can't say he's only going to play 130 games. You're going to give him more, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's, there is a fine line. I don't mind being on an island. That's what right. Some of but I want to be able to justify my presence right. there. Yeah. Right. No. Absolutely. Uh, and I so, don't yeah. want to be off on an entire category. I think that's the main thing. You mentioned steals. Yeah. Uh, I think this being the second year of the increased steals, I think everybody's going to have, again, issues calibrating things, or at least everybody, as in myself, is having issues with those. I keep finding my steals guys are going way higher. Like I have them way too high on my board compared to where they're actually going. And is that because... I haven't adjusted and I'm seeing, wow, 60 steals, 40 steals. And I'm still thinking of those steals the same way I did two years ago. Or is everybody else not remembering that, hey, we need to get way more steals now. So you actually yeah. do still need to get these 60 steal guys because you need 50% more than you used to or 40% more. Uh, so I think things like that entire category shifts may well happen uh, by our next update. Or maybe I'll decide the entire world's wrong and nothing will change. Yeah. I expect the steals to go up a little bit, even more. And then after that is tell me what the, tell me if there's going to be an automated, uh, automated uh, ball strike system. Oh because boy! Because if, mm. if all a catcher is going to do is block pitchers in the dirt and then improve their pop time, we'll start to see more caught stealing. But if it's the system with the challenges where you still can frame and still steal some calls if you will then it's going to be tougher to do all to do everything and i hope that's the way it is i hope if they go abs i hope it's with a challenge system just because i want my catchers to continue to even though i don't like that framing works it does so you know take advantage of it so we'll, we'll see there but i think but you know as far as valuation goes it's sort of still all relative. Everybody goes up, you need a little bit more. So, you know, the same number is going to be next to a stereo Ruiz as far as how much is he worth, just because it's all relative to, to the pool. But I do think we're going to see a few more steals. Pitchers are getting better. I don't know if you guys noticed. I think they're getting better at just altering their delivery without actually throwing over, you know, holding the ball. Yeah. Uh, I'd agree with that. I, I think that they got, I think they, and there were more pickoffs last year than the previous year. And that might be because if you, you know, if, if the guy takes off and you throw over and then you get guy at the second, if that, that may count as a pickoff and there's a lot more of those mm-hmm. then. The, so I don't know, but I was just, it just blew my mind that I was just, you know, looking like you're saying, Jeff, the stats that we don't like to project. Well, I got to project pickoffs and, Wow. That's your interference is one of my favorite ones to project. Oh, I don't. Fortunately, he plays in a catcher interference league. I I just, uh, 
Yeah. If any Some listener are, does, I, I would like I to do. learn. I yeah. do. No. Fortunately, dozens of us. That may be a part of the new. I don't know. Fortunately, I don't. That ESPN doesn't want catcher interference. Although I do figure them out just because it it makes the plate appear. I'm a, I'm a, as much of a slob as I am. I'm kind of ADD with everything has to be right as far you know the plate appearances has to be this plus this plus. Oh no, it's not. Oh wait, there were a couple catchers interferences involved, and now mm-hmm. it's the same. So I, I track them. I don't necessarily, you know, because I feel if there's if one of those numbers is off, I can't trust it because there's a mistake somewhere, and I need to find the. So what you're saying is, whenever you find an error with your projections, you just throw a few catches interference in there and then call it. Yeah, Jacoby Ellsbury used to be the biggest pain. Remember that, Jeff? I mean, he had like twenty catches interference in the course of a season. Well, I'm actually doing the catcher side of things there. How many times they're actually interfering? You know, who does that? Hope you, you, you do it. You, you now have all the knowledge. We outsource the numbers. I mean, there's one of our, one of our, you know, people that buy the stats from us use it, and hey, more power to them. Keeps you busy. Keeps you, uh, yeah. Keep, keeps you off the streets, I guess. But anyway, True. speaking of busy, we're all busy. Uh, we're in a little bit longer than the hour. Appreciate everybody for listening. Appreciate Jeff and Eric for taking a little bit of time out of the day. I, I'm, I'm sure it's kind of nice sure. to talk a little bit of baseball it and is. all these other things that are going on. Uh, again, you know, it's now that it's out on Twitter, we can uh, congratulate James again. Uh, James and his wife, welcome to a wonderful uh, little present into the world. And uh, we'll wish Clay get well soon. And with that, we'll say goodbye. All right. Two minutes end the stream first. I'll cut that off on the actual podcast.